This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind. This is a podcast all about perinatal mental health and wellness related to conception, pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. But more than that, we aim to deepen our truths, shed light on real issues, speak about our pain, feel understood, and offer a path to healing. We raise the volume on these topics in hopes that someday everyone will have the support and information that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. I remember going into pregnancy for the first time, so focused on the pregnancy and how to get that baby out. Getting her out seemed to be the hardest thing to wrap my mind around. So I set off to get a doula, make a birth plan. I made focus boards. I set up a music playlist for labor at the hospital, planned an activity for early labor to keep me on my feet. I made cookies for the hospital staff got the bag packed, got my mind in gear as much as I could, and all of that was necessary for me. What I didn't plan the first go-round was what to do after the baby came home. Other than that my mom stayed with us and helped out for a bit, and my husband had some time off of work, and he was there doing his part too, and that was all so great and very needed. But I had zero plan in place for my self-care, no resources in place, no clue how lack of sleep was going to impact me or breastfeeding or how new motherhood would impact me either. As you may know from past episodes, I had a pretty rough go for that first year. And you better believe that I did things differently when my second child came home. I had a plan. Today we're talking with Ariana Tabawada about planning for the postpartum and just how important that is. She shares some ways that it helps protect our mental wellness potentially reduce some anxiety about life with baby, and really hone in on who and what you can have around you for support. Ariana is a mental health consultant who works with experienced entrepreneurs who are becoming first-time mothers, helping them to customize their maternity leave plan and return to work. She's deeply committed to providing ongoing, multifaceted support that meets the professional, physical, mental, social, and emotional needs of entrepreneurs as they baby-proof their business and navigate new motherhood. Prior to her consulting practice, she worked on maternal health issues for over a decade as a health educator, social worker in a mental health clinic, reproductive health researcher, and a yoga therapist. 
She draws from her expertise as a mental health professional combined with her experience as a business owner and mother to provide highly personalized services so expecting entrepreneurs can have tools and information they need to make decisions and take action when it comes to balancing their business with a new baby. Let's meet Ariana. Welcome, Ariana. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Kat. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm very happy to be talking about postpartum planning with you. It's, I think, essential in one of the steps to making sure we're really giving moms the support that they need. And it sounds like you're going to give us a lot of great info on that. I'd love to start with what are you doing in your work currently and share with the audience how, what your work is in perinatal mental health. Sure thing. So I'm a maternal health professional by training um, and the Maternal Child Health Bureau, um, part of the federal government, trains health professionals from all different disciplines. And so I did about six years of training through both undergraduate and graduate school to really be able to specialize in collaborating with other health professionals. I'm a social worker by training, but with other types of folks who serve women and serve children and serve families to be able to provide wraparound support, you might say. So all the spaces and gaps where health services don't meet um, needs particularly well or in innovative or needed manners, um, that's where my work focuses on. And I've been doing maternity leave planning specifically for entrepreneurs for the past few years, but have always had a big focus on, on the postpartum period. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that is awesome. And it's, you will have no shortage of work filling gaps these days. <laughs> I hear you. That's <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of work and so necessary. I'm, I'm just glad to know that there are programs like that out there that are trying to address these things and so necessary. Nice. It's a unique field, but mm -hmm. like you said, needed. <laughs> right, right. Okay, great. So if you can, I mean, I'm really fascinated about the helping entrepreneurs as well. But if you can kind of just start with the basics, what is a postpartum plan and why do we need it? Sure. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll speak between you and me as in a way that I might speak to, to clients that I work with, mm -hmm. which is really figuring out, um, you know, we do a lot of planning in pregnancy through birth plan and then lots of planning tends to shift to baby's needs. So postpartum planning is really recentering um, the mom and thinking of mom baby as a unit. And so doing planning that will help mom be at her best so that baby ultimately reaps reaps the benefits of, of having mom's health and you know mental well-being be at its highest. You know, I won't say 100% because nothing is, ever seems to be 100% postpartum, but um, having a supportive experience and a plan for getting that support. This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's Ancient Greece, 
the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Right. And in terms of why we need this, I, th- I think there's talk about the, the village is gone and we don't have that kind of support anymore. And in other countries, there is postpartum support. But what about here? Why do we need this kind of plan here in the U.S.? Sure. So you heard me say a little bit about how I specialize in maternity leave. And that really is kind of the larger frame around the issue. So I tend to think like many other countries do about maternity leave as really a human rights issue that fits into the larger discussion on on reproductive rights and social justice. And so when we do not have a maternity leave framework, as we do not in this country, in the U.S., Um, that supports really the first year postpartum and that mom-baby unit that I was mentioning, then it really creates a lot of kind of crisis moments in the immediate postpartum experience and all the way through the postpartum year. And, you know, if we're thinking about extended perinatal well-being through the child's second birthday. So because we have a really clear deficit in the systemic structures that help us on kind of a social level, create that, that village, as you mentioned, we have to tackle it on a individual one-on-one basis. And so that is really the kind of the larger underpinning of why I do the work I do. And I know that I can't reach every woman, but until we have a a larger policy that really keeps all families and women in mind, then one-on-one individual work it is. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope that lots and lots of people hear this. And it sounds like you're really working hard to get this concept and support out to a lot of people. If someone were to be developing a postpartum plan, what kinds of things do you suggest to be included in a plan? Sure. So I use a pretty specific methodology that I, you know, based on my training and also the the mentorship from other maternal health professionals I had along the years that I've developed and honed in, in my practice and with clients. And so I'm happy to share that. It's based roughly on the eco map, which if you're a social worker and listening to this, you likely have run into the eco map. 
but it's a visual way to map out the support systems that exist in your life and a visual way in mapping out that support to also really clearly see where the gaps are in that support. So it's you know a workbook style, if you will, but I literally have clients place themselves at the center and then you draw concentric circles. So smaller circles within bigger circles out and those rings of circles that represent the levels of support in proximity to yourself. So you might think about who in my immediate community or who in my immediate family do I turn to for support around, you know, some specific things that you might need postpartum. So, you know, having food, having someone to call, having someone come over and help hold baby while you shower, help do dishes. So kind of all your basic needs. <laughs> And then we expand out from there to thinking about the community level support and professional level support. So at that professional level might be thinking through what are the mental health, the maternal mental health resources in your area. And that's not usually something a a mom has explored Mm -hmm. or is familiar with if she's not you know, if she's, if this is her first baby or if she's not in any way involved in maternal mental health. And so it really clearly helps you articulate what are the resources that I might need and what are the resources available to me. Um, and if you don't know what those are, then it, it requires doing a little homework, but it's a nice way to start to assess what you have available to you and also identify what you might need to do a little a little research on to be able to to make those resources available to yourself. Mm. That's a really great tool and awesome exploration. For the most part, we're not thinking about where the gaps are in our support. We might be feeling it, but it's not really ever laid out on paper that like, oh, I actually don't have somebody that I can call in the middle of the night or, or whatever that is. To be able to see it on paper seems really valuable. Yeah, and one of the things that I love about the EcoMap and in the way that I use it with clients is is that it also allows you to draw the kind of the strength of the relationships that you do have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you use kind of like a, you have a little key at the bottom to show like squiggly line is tenuous relationship or a thick line is strong relationship. Mm-hmm. So it lets you place people who also might be in your life really consistently, but who you might have a certain kind of relationship with and allows you to characterize that relationship and make a plan for how do you navigate that relationship or how do you ask for help in a particular way based on what the relationship is like. That's really great because it seems like this could also be something that when a mom is feeling like she doesn't have the support she needs that she could refer back to during those moments of you know feeling alone. Exactly. It's, it really is designed to be done when to be filled out, but then revisited constantly as you are actually experiencing it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm totally happy to have, you know, a little workbook that I can, we can link to in the show notes if we're talking about it in the abstract now, but if people actually want to see what this thing looks like, um, I can share a resource for filling something like this out on your own. Oh, that'd be great. I will absolutely include that in the show notes as a resource. That's great. Thank you for that. What other kinds of things do you see commonly that people do need in a postpartum plan? Sure. I see, honestly, food at the top of the list Mm -hmm. (laughs) so many times. Mm -hmm. And 
it's usually not something that people start filling out this ego map that I mentioned thinking, oh, I really want to figure out who in my life can help bring me meals. It more so comes out as something that pre-baby you kind of do without much pre-planning or pre-thinking or you do on your own. Mm -hmm. And so in thinking about what are going to be the limitations on my time or energy or just capacity, making yourself food and keeping yourself nourished usually jumps to the top of the list. So that's something that, you know, can either be something that is done through the individual doing like meal prepping or freezer batching, um, or it's something that I've seen folks identify as, as a need that can be met by their wider community. So doing meal trains or having friends bring over meals for a certain number of days or weeks after the baby is born or even something that can go up to that professional or outsourcing level where they can sign up for um, having prepped meals delivered to them. But honestly, that's the one that over the years has just really risen to the top in terms of what makes postpartum life a little easier. <laughs> right. I mean, that makes perfect sense. It, it is time consuming if you're doing that all on your own. And especially if you have more than one baby, other children, depending on who's living in your house with you. I mean, there's, there's so many factors there. Agreed. In terms of other things, what other common things do you see that people really need to think through? I do see that perinatal mental health is something that unless you're kind of steeped in it, that it's so unclear what the resources available are. And so that question when it comes up in the eco map is usually a light bulb moment, like, a, oh, unless someone is, is having depression during pre the pregnancy or has a history of depression, it's not usually or anxiety or kind of any, um, any mood disorder. It's not usually something that most women are like, this could happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but I tend to prompt and prime everyone to think through, well, in the event that you do want some mental health support, what, um, what are, what is available to you in your local area or virtually, or even in just thinking about who's your support system? Who do you, who would you go to? And so that is really, I think, invigorating to see when people are like, oh, wow, I could actually be prepared and not be experiencing any postpartum mental health issue from like a, a not being sure where to turn stance. I could have a list of resources. And I've seen that be pretty empowering. Right. Yeah. I mean, just to plan ahead for it. I understand the feeling of, you know, oh, I'm pregnant or and I'm feeling fine. I don't want to think about this as a possibility. But as you're, you know, you're describing in the birth plan, you you're planning for things that you don't necessarily hope to have happen, but it's part of the plan. And so in the postpartum as well, just having things set up in a way to where your resources are already there and you don't have to do the hard business of thinking and researching after the fact so powerful. Yeah. To, I mean, I know you do a lot of work with PSI. And so just thinking, does my area have, <laughs> does my area have a local support group or what is the warm line mm -hmm. that I could call or what are the ways that my particular provider gets me a referral to care? Should I need it? Mm -hmm. So all the, the nuts and bolts of just imagining a little what that scenario might look like so that if the scenario does play out, you're 
prepared or more prepared um, than you might be otherwise. And if the scenario doesn't happen to you, then it's great to be a resource in that way for other people. Mm -hmm. You have those resources already set up. That's great. That is really great. How about sleep? Is How much is sleep addressed in postpartum planning? So it is something that usually comes up in terms of what what support do you think you might want. So I've worked with women who are like, I definitely want to sleep train or I definitely want a night nanny. And so being able to, again, have the research done. Mm -hmm. So you're not like sleep deprived and trying to figure out (laughs) where's the resource that I can find for that. Um, And then some women, you know, so much depends on baby's temperament that some women are like, I guess I'll like write down the names of a few sleep websites, but I'm not going to go down the road of looking for someone to hire until I figure out if that's something I need. And what does come up is Again, the people in your immediate area who you might be able to call if you just really need some sleep, right? So who could, who has the flexibility to come sit with baby for an afternoon if you need a nap? Who has the ability to really step in if you are just feeling totally on edge and need to call someone and vent? So to that level, I think it's it's universal of who are the people who you just can turn to, no matter what the issue, sleep, food, mental health, who's your crew? <laughs> That's great. So that makes me wonder then, too, in terms of who's your crew, is there are there other people who could be a part of this process in terms of making the postpartum plan um, collaboratively, not just the mom, uh, but other people in the family or... Um, support system. Does that make sense? Of course. Yes. The the support of others uh, can definitely be specified. (laughs) Um, So it usually is something that clients I work with will run by a partner if they're in a partnered relationship. If they don't have a partner specific to the pregnancy or birth or postpartum, then identifying a supportive other and having someone who also is aware of what you're planning and can help you actually implement mm-hmm. it. So a lot of, you know, going through the plan, you start realizing it turns into like tasks that you have to do now. So if you're, you know, if you're going to do some meals or if you're going to find a night nurse, it requires the legwork to make it happen. And so that is something that I often encourage clients to to make specific asks of people in your life so that the postpartum plan is something that others are aware of and that others are also helping you craft and create. In terms of this plan, I mean, I think it's absolutely necessary for everybody to have one of these plans, but also very specifically for moms who are at risk of developing perinatal mental health challenges and for moms who have had challenges in the past and know that they're a little bit more primed to experience something again. Can you talk to us about how it's protective or preventative in terms of perinatal mental health? Sure. Well, I think that this goes back to a little bit to what I was just mentioning, but the exercise of running through potential scenarios Mm -hmm. and thinking through what would I do or who would I turn to or what might happen if can really help mitigate some of the just anxiety around what might happen to actually 
plan through and see that, okay, I, I have some steps that I could take um, if that situation were to occur. So I would say that in that way, really boosting self-efficacy mm-hmm. around the myriad of things that might happen mm-hmm. to you postpartum. I think if you follow all the like Instagram, social media mm-hmm. accounts on postpartum, there's so much out there now or so much more than there right. was about what the postpartum reality looks like. And I can imagine, you know, you myself as an example, I, you know, I like sat my husband down and I have you know, no history of, of any mood disorders and wasn't, I was a low risk pregnancy, not at really, not at high risk for any postpartum mental health issues. But I was like, this is what postpartum psychosis looks like to my husband and just sat him down and walked him through it because I was like, you never know. Mm -hmm. And being able to have someone other than yourself aware of what are, what are the things that, um, folks should be keeping an eye out for. Oh, that's really powerful. Yeah. You you have someone already in place who knows signs or symptoms and and not just for psychosis, it could be for for anything, um, anxiety, depression. You have someone to talk with about it if it does come up. Like, remember when we talked about what depression looks like or psychosis looks like, you know, I'm having these feelings, that kind of thing. They're already ready to, to hear on some level from you. Right. And, and really priming those key relationships in our lives to, to think about how they might help mm-hmm. and kind of discussing beforehand, what are the ways in which I would find, what are the responses that I would find most helpful if this were to arise? Right. Again, the, the whole planning, and you said it already, but to help reduce anxiety, um, that these, these things are already in place and you can refer back to it. And if you are experiencing depression or anxiety where it's already really hard to like verbalize how you're feeling sometimes, you don't have to try and push through your feelings to explain something because they already have a point of reference for what you're feeling. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking 
working through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Right. Yeah, I I think it just brings a lot of the potential issues to light Mm -hmm. before you're in crisis mode. Right. (laughs) I thought, I mean, that's ideal. That could help prevent a lot of stuff from, at least from worsening. Then also relationship. If if you are discussing this with your primary partner and they're going to be in the home with you the whole time or, you know, in and out of the house, depending on their their own work schedule, they're going to kind of need to know this be on the same page. That's really powerful. Um, So it can also help protect relationship stress. You know, I have never framed it right that specific way, but I think from from now on, I I would feel pretty confident (laughs) saying that now that you framed it like that. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine how, how nice it would be to, to not then also have to be dealing with that strain within the relationship when people don't understand what's going on. Yeah, that's so powerful. Um, In terms of the moms and families that you've helped with this, what has the feedback been from them? Yeah, so the feedback, especially because I tend to work with um, women who are self-employed and working with for themselves and don't have a whole lot of interaction in their day to day Mm -hmm. work life. I think it has helped tremendously with flagging that isolation is something we we want to try and mitigate mm-hmm. postpartum. So of course, you know, some women have very particular customs or preferences around kind of the, the postpartum, you know, what some people, I had my baby in Mexico, so the cuarentena, the 40 days that you're really protected and kind of nested mm-hmm. in home. But then after that, um, however long that period is for you, thinking about what are the social connections that can help me transition into this phase of life. So I have seen that been huge in terms of entrepreneurs who might not have those in-person connections, um, really using that fourth trimester and, you know, into the whole first year postpartum to, to seek out those local in-person um, spaces where they can meet other moms and meet other working moms, meet other entrepreneurs who are in similar child rearing phases of life um, to try and, and create that that community and that network of support. So the the postpartum plan and planning for maternity leave are slightly different, but there's a lot of overlap. Yes, I would say huge overlap. And I, I mean, I really preface a lot of the maternity leave planning with the idea that, you know, if you are a business owner, then you, you're, you are the biggest asset to your business. So the postpartum plan being really the entryway to thinking, how do we take care of you? And then from there being able to say, okay, how do we take care of different pieces of your business? Um, but really prioritizing and centering mom as caregiver and mom as business owner. Well, I, I think that this is maybe a whole separate conversation because <laughs> there's, there's a lot to talk about with just um, being a female business owner um, and protecting against the stress of that as you go into maternity leave. I mean, especially most therapists are, are in that category uh, or if they're in private practice. Um, there's quite a few other types yeah. of entrepreneurial women um, who are faced with this. And this it sounds 
like the the work that you're doing to help them prepare is so valuable. At that, I don't I don't know that there's a lot of people doing what you're describing. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I'm doing what I do because really I tend to think of or I do think of self-employed women or women who are just outside of any formal maternity leave policies or structures as a vulnerable population when it comes to to motherhood and perinatal mental health. So we've got to we've got to advocate yeah, for ourselves. Absolutely. I mean, there's for sure no paid leave there for the most part, right. um, because you don't have the protection of, of FMLA and all those other s- systems that are sort of halfway in place for other moms. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> well put. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So going back to the postpartum plan, when you're having a conversation with moms and, and couples or whoever's in the room with you with this, how, how do you frame this in general for them and help them to use it as a tool? Yeah. So I have found that people who tend to think about postpartum planning really are planners by nature. <laughs> so, you know, like to make a plan and stick with it. And so with the postpartum plan, I always like to just talk about the reality that it is a plan that might need to be tweaked or you might pivot from it or it might just diverge into a whole new direction when you are actually living the postpartum experience. So I would say planning with a a spirit of kind of experimentation or a spirit of curiosity about how the plan will actually fit in with your particular birth and postpartum experience so that when, again, when you're in the moment, you have it to refer back to, but it's not something that you're trying. It's not like a recipe you're trying to follow exactly. Yeah, that is really great because it also kind of speaks to the, the you know, expectations versus reality dynamic that happens in the postpartum for most of us. You know, it doesn't always go as we expect it to go. And reality is sometimes different or slightly different. And I'm thinking too, especially if there's like a already a level of anxiety or depression there, and there's already sort of some guilt or shame that, you know, that is being triggered in there that having that reassurance that it's okay if it's not exactly as you set it up is, is fine. Yeah, it's plans are made to be revisited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Really, really useful information for everybody. So in terms of where to find this, uh, the EcoMap, which is a great starter for the conversation and for planning this out, I will have that information in our show notes. Are there other resources that you like to point people to? Um, if you, you heard me talking a little bit about how I work specifically with entrepreneurs. So I have a, a version of the eco map that is leaning a little more towards entrepreneurial women. So if you find yourself in that boat, we'll put the link for that too in the show notes. And then we'll just make the, the eco map, um, in general available okay, for awesome. folks. That's fantastic. I would thank you so much for talking about this in depth with us. I think it really helps to give people an idea and a sense of what they can do for themselves and how they can be proactive if they feel like they need to. And just gives moms and families another tool to feel less, you know, alone and less um, confused by things if they are experiencing a perinatal mental health change. So I thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. Thanks for having me. Really great info, great resources here. 
I'll have the links to the EcoMap for Moms and the EcoMap for Mom Entrepreneurs up in the show notes for you to grab. Please connect with Ariana at arianatabawada.com, Instagram at arianatabawada, Facebook, Ariana Tabawada Consulting, or on Twitter at Ariana Tabawada. For this and all episodes of Mom and Mind, go to momandmind.com, join us on Instagram and Facebook, or our Mom and Mind Connection Facebook group. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today. Our hope is that you leave here feeling heard, understood, and hopeful. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Mom and Mind. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.